Broken crayons. Broken crayons. Broken crayons still color. This is the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast with your host, Shelly Hitz. Each episode contains an inspiring story of hope and healing in Christ. Many times, what we see as our biggest regrets, failures, and mistakes become what God uses the most in our lives. God is able to transform our brokenness into something more beautiful than we can even imagine. He takes our mess and creates a masterpiece. You see, Broken Crayons Still Color. Welcome back to the Broken Crayon Still Color podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Hitz, and today's guest is Donna Robinson. Hey, Donna. Hi, uh, Shelly. How are you? It's so great to have you today. Donna was standing on the edge of what looked like would be her husband's last days on this earth. However, God had other plans. Isn't that amazing? He has other plans and his plans were resurrection plans. I'm excited to have Donna share this story of heartache, financial loss, and yet the miracle they experienced from God today. So thank you so much for joining us, Donna. I'm excited to hear your story in even more detail today. And if you could just start off by letting us know, what did the broken crayons in your life look like in this particular instance? The, the biggest thing was it all kind of came down just very suddenly. Mm. And uh, one day we were planning to sell our house and our son was going out on his own at that time. This has been about uh, the year 2000. My husband came home from work that day very ill and I thought he had the flu. Oh. And I didn't even oh. mention to him that we had actually gotten a contract on our house that very day that uh, somebody had come in and made a full price offer while he was at work. And I was so excited when he came home, I was going to tell him. And when he got to the door, I was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? He just went straight upstairs, went to bed, mm -hmm. and was just very, very sick and ill and that kind of thing, like flu-like symptoms for a couple of days. And he was so bad off, I didn't even want to tell him about the house contract but at the same time we had three weeks to move right because the buyer's loan was running out so it put us in a situation where i did not know at that point what was going on with him but i said well we've got to get this done so we went through that whole process at the same time meanwhile he begins to swell and get bigger and bigger and finally, we're out of the house, but we couldn't go. We had to close on it, but we went and stayed at a friend's house because we couldn't even go shopping. He was still so sick. Um, eventually, we discovered through a series of events that I outline in the book that he had a terminal liver disease caused by hepatitis C, which we had no idea where he'd actually picked it up. Hmm. He was a military veteran, so that may have had something to do with it, Vietnam era. And apparently a lot of the Vietnam era guys have issues with hepatitis C. But we didn't know what actually caused it. So we went, they basically said he's got a year to live. Wow. And yeah, we just were kind of all, you know, so here we are. We've sold the house. We're trying to move and find a new house. And in the midst of all of that, he's gained 100 pounds of fluid because his oh liver's my. leaking his body. And we're <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on and deal with this. We took him to the VA to request a liver transplant. And they said, oh, you can forget that. It'll take years to do it. And he's not going to live that long. And so you're just not going to get one. Just don't even think about that. And uh, so it went from there. We drug on for three and a half years. And then really the turning point for me in that story 
was uh, I went to a women's retreat uh, with a friend of mine. And during that women's retreat, um, I have trouble even telling the story today. Mm. Uh, she prayed. We had a, a prayer session. Let me try to get it together here. Had a prayer session. And in the course of that session, the woman leading the prayer prayed for the donor. Oh, wow. And that was the first time I realized that we were trying to get, we were really waiting for somebody else to die, in a sense, hoping for somebody else to die so that he could get a liver and live. Wow. Yeah. I knew there was something special about that moment. But, mm. I, you know, at the time, we were, he was not on any transplant list. We were trying to get him on one. Um, but I felt like something had happened that night. And then plus another time at church, this girl had come up to me and said, God woke me up in the middle of the night last night and told me to tell you your husband's not going to die. So we went from there. You know, these little things would happen along the way that would be yeah. like help, but it wouldn't rescue us. from. And by now, you know, we've spent all our money. We're paying medical bills that are running up to the tune of $10,000 a day. But it was very interesting in that these little signs would come up along the way. We went to that women's retreat uh, uh, virtually right after two weeks after we got back from that retreat. He got a letter from Emory University Hospital saying that he had been added to the transplant mm. list. Woo! <laughs> that in and of itself yeah. was a miracle. That was, three, that was three years and four months from the time that he first got sick. Wow. So all this has been going on over a three year, almost three and a half years. Uh, we got that letter, and that was exciting, but at that point in time, there were over 17,000 people on the transplant oh my list. Goodness. Liver, just a liver. Today, there's more than 100,000 waiting for a kidney. Wow. But at that time, there were, yeah, so just being on the list was a huge goal to have achieved, but at the same time, the idea that 17,000 mm. people in front of him was just another completely you know, daunting situation. Uh, at any rate, we had, you know, we were just keeping going. We were happy we'd gotten that far. And they gave him a pager. And in those days, we didn't even have mm -hmm. too many cell phones. Right. So they gave him a pager. And the idea was that if you got a page, you had two hours to get to the hospital. Okay. But we also found out in the meantime that being called to the hospital didn't mean you were going to be the one to get the liver. Apparently, they called three or four or five potential recipients. I mean, whichever one is the best match mm. is the one that gets the liver. The other people go home. So we rushed to the hospital, not even having any idea whether he would even be the one that would be chosen. <clears throat> Excuse me. We waited all night, went through all this, you know, stuff that you do when you go check in a hospital. And then finally, the next morning at 6 a.m., this guy came in and said, looks like you're it. Get your gown on. Wow. You're going downstairs. Wow. So, and that happened, by the way, that was April 5th. We'd gotten the letter on March 15th. So literally three weeks later, he got the page. Wow. And then got transplant. And that in and of itself was incredible because there were 17,000 yeah. other people on that so that's why I uh, chose a cover for when I wrote the book. A friend of mine's been really saying, "You got to write this story. This is just amazing." Yeah. It was Easter week that year, and this was April fifth, two thousand four. If you go look it up, that was the Monday 
of Passover week and Easter week, which, by the way, don't even often occur in the same week. Sometimes they're in different months. It's based on the moon cycles. Yeah. So the fact that it was Easter and Passover the same week in and of itself was another incredible thing. <laughs> he got the transplant. He recovered in a week. And, well, I not recovered in a week, but was released from the hospital in a week, which the doctor said that's just absolutely one in a million right there. So there was about wow. three or four miracles, complete miracles in the space of a month there, just total, wow. out of the blue, after dragging on for three and a half years, and then just bang, 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 bang. And uh, it, it left us, you know, with no money. It mm. left us living in a camper instead of in a big three-bedroom, two-bath house with a swimming pool, which is where we had started. We lost both of our full-time jobs, and we had to learn totally to depend on God. Wow. That was really the underpinning here. It was Resurrection Week, the week that he got the transplant. That following Sunday was Easter. It was just a Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> And uh, then he, he did make a full and complete recovery. He is still alive today. Amen. And today he's never had any problems with it. It's been 12 years. Wow. And uh, the one thing I can have always said about it is that you don't know what you believe until you have to believe it. Wow. That's powerful. Because, you know, I've been a Christian, raised in a Christian family, gone to church off and on all my life, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, just the standard stuff. Studied the Bible a lot, though. I think what I had in my favor when it started mm -hmm. was the fact that I had been such an avid student. I just enjoy it. It's like yeah. history to me. It's, I just love studying it. And it's so fascinating, frankly. People don't realize how incredibly detailed and specific God is. And so, you know, that really helped. Leaning on that word, but realizing that that was all I could do. Mm -hmm. It was all or nothing with God because he was either going to save him or he wasn't. And then, of course, the fact that it happened Easter week made me realize the incredible analogy with the, re the real resurrection. Yes. And how it saved us all. The same way that the donor saved him. Mm. What a powerful, powerful story. And you have a scripture that kind of goes along with your I story did. that you wanted to share. Yes, I do. Uh, there's a lot of scriptures that came to mind, you know, over this time that we read and studied. But one of the ones I think is most critical was 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is mm. sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Mm. Yes, And it was being weak in that situation that made us willing to tap into God's power in a way that we had never done. I'm one of those little go-getters that I can fix it myself. Yes. I can do it. You know, I'm like, I don't need, I didn't realize that I was even doing that before. But I had that, I can do it myself mentality. I only need God if I get in a spot where I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And we could talk yes. for hours and hours. And I love, love, love your story. But you've actually written a book that details so much more. Can you share just a little bit about that? Well, it's called, interestingly enough, let's see if I can get it up there, The Donor. Ah, yeah. I actually prayed about that title 
because it's it, the idea of the story is that dichotomy between the donor for my husband Gary, who mm. saved his life, versus Christ donating his life for us. Mm. Powerful. But yes, I did. It, I I just felt like it changed our life. And I, I had written in the past, posted some articles online about it where people read the article and said, gee whiz, if you can get through that, I think I can deal with what I'm doing. Yes. But I have to say that, you know, the thing about it is that I wouldn't, I hate that anybody has to go through a, a trial like that. But until you really experience God that way, until you have a trial, you can't experience God that way. It's one thing to sit in church and know it intellectually, but it is a whole different thing to live it and have to focus on that word every day. If there's one thing about it that I would say that made the difference for us is we really, through that ordeal, we really came to understand how important it is to focus on the word of God, speak the word of God, and mm. believe the word of God, because ultimately, you really don't realize it, but you don't have a choice anyway. Yeah, but until you go through, I'm glad we went through oh, that. Man. Now, I mean, you know that's that's weird to say, but going through that is the only way to have that kind of faith and mm -hmm. confidence that we have now that we know that our Redeemer lives, and exactly. there's nothing that can pull us off from that after going through what we went through and seeing what we saw with God mm -hmm. working through that that whole thing. Yeah. yeah, my dad has had a, um, he was in a coma for eight weeks and he had a traumatic brain injury, still has problems today, but he says the same thing. He said, I wouldn't go back and do it different. You know, I would still go through that because of what it did with his relationship with God through that traumatic experience and even through his current disability, which, you know, God can do so much when we're weak, he is strong. Um, what would be your final closing words of encouragement or advice for our listeners today? Definitely just how important it is to renew your mind. One of my favorite mm. verses has always been Romans 12, 1, and that whole section there yes. about renewing your mind and the importance of that. And that is, that is mm. really what happened. There was nothing to do but to turn into God and just pursue that. Because, I mean, you know, the whole time until he actually got that letter, I was pretty sure he was probably going to die. It was just oh, a matter man. of keeping him alive as long as we could, you know, for just for the sake of doing that. But And God prepared me for that either way. He never said, don't worry, he'll live. He, well, he did really in a way through somebody. Uh, but yet it's kind of like the thing with Noah. When God speaks to you one time and then three years go by, you know, and you're not really sure what's going on, it's... Uh, it's tough to, to deal with, but it's really focusing in. That's what changed things. That's mm -hmm. what made it possible for us to get through it. We just had to learn to just believe totally mm -hmm. with every fiber of our being because Amen. the only other option is just to go crazy and have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, and those of you that are listening today, I just encourage you to just open yourself up to what God has for you, whatever difficult situation you're walking through right now. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's health, maybe it's relational, maybe it's all of the things like what Donna experienced all at once, but we just pray that this was an encouragement to you, that it increased your faith. And in closing, we just know that God can turn our messes into masterpieces. That's right. And thanks to God, I am a masterpiece. Amen. Praise Thank, yes. Thank you so much, Donna, for sharing your story, for sharing the hope that this brings, for helping increase our faith. And 
Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you for listening to the Broken Crayons Still Color Podcast. We have a gift for you. Download Shelly's hand-drawn adult coloring pages, as well as printable scripture cards, and all the transcripts from this podcast at www.brokencrayonsbook.com. If today's story inspired you, please share it with a friend and leave us a comment on iTunes. We love hearing from you and your encouragement means the world to us. In closing, God is the artist and our lives are his canvas. What will you allow him to create from the broken pieces in your life? When you are in Christ, you are his masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece.